So it's a windy day. Windy. A windy day. Right. So windy it blew what people would call a sea out of the way. And a bunch of people scurried across this little piece of dry land and into the promised land. We're talking Moses. We're talking Moses. Okay. Because this is where it really gets down to the business. We're going to talk about Israel today, but what people... Ooh, light. Let's keep it light. Keep it light (laughs) and sparkly. But what people don't realise is this is a story that started in 1250 BC or thereabouts. Yeah, the beginning of time. The beginning of time. You know, when I was a kid. Yeah. And um, the really important thing to realise about this, there is a spy. There are 12 spies in this story. Because what happens when they got to Canaan, Moses turned around to 12 princes of the 12 tribes. Well, one prince of each tribe. So 12 mm-hmm. guys and went, can you go into Canaan and just check it out to make sure we can take this place over? 10 came back and went, don't do it. Okay. We don't want to go in there. And he went, okay, that's fine. Let's go for a walk for 40 years. How do you get lost in that area for 40 years, as anyone's guess? But two princes showed up and went, we can take this place. We can do it. Josh and Caleb, two guys that really should have shut their mouths because over the last three and a half thousand years, we've been fighting about Jerusalem and Israel. Want to talk about it? Yeah, I can't wait. I don't. We do only have half an hour though. Just strap in. I'm going to really talk fast. Okay. You're listening to I Spied, the long-standing problem of Australian intelligence. All right, you and I are dividing up Canberra. I'm going to get the city. Okay. You can have Queanbeyan and Belconnen. What if I don't want Canberra? Hello and welcome to I Spy. My name is Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan and we thought we might unpack a little bit of Israel, Palestine, yeah, well, the whole, the whole Palestine, area. Yeah, it's bad at the moment. It's, it's so bad. It's gone absolutely... Pear-shaped. Tits up. Yeah. And the whole thing is it's this is nothing new. No, and, and I think a lot of people don't really fully understand what the fight is about. Exactly. So let's get into some context here. Great. Let's go right back to Rome. Love context. Yeah, Rome. When it was called Syria-Palestina. Okay. And they had to call it that. In fact, Hadrian called it that because there'd been several Israeli or Jewish Mm. revolts in the province of Judea. And finally, he just went, right, we're just going to rename the entire place, call it Syria-Palestina, and Mm. it's done. And a lot of people say that he did it to try and disconnect the Jews from their homeland. Uh, You know, historians probably throw it up in the air and go, maybe, maybe not. So, right, basically, Rome also banned Jews from Jerusalem. Right. Unless they went in for one or two religious festivals. But that was it. They were not allowed to live in Jerusalem. So around about 200 AD, the Jewish population begins to decline as Christianity begins to rise. And the Jewish population also had to get out of there because around about that time, it was around about 400 AD, the Byzantine Emperor mm. Heraclius, mm-hmm. or Her- Heraclius, basically he wanted to get Jerusalem back, but it was uh, the Persians held it. So we turned around to the Jewish people in the area and went, guys, if you help me kick the Persians out... I'll give you full rights back to Jerusalem. Great. And they went, done. So they helped the Byzantines kick the Persians out. And what happens next? The Persians or the the Byzantines turn around and go, yeah, you know that promise we made? Yeah, Yeah. forget it. We're going to massacre you all. So they ran. Guess where they ran to? The Europe, Germany. No, they went to Egypt. Oh, Egypt. Yeah, they ran back to Egypt and from Mm. Egypt the diaspora took place. Yeah. So here we go. From By about 600, it's then just Crusade City. Mm. Right? Jerusalem is constantly being fought over by the Christians and the Muslims and on it goes, on it goes until around about 1500 AD 
and the Ottoman Empire strolls in, takes control, and it's theirs. Now, there is a Jewish population in Israel. Yes. Right, or that area. It's about, you know, not, not, not a big one, but they're always there, but it's a very small population. Let's cut to where the rubber hits the road, okay? So essentially, around about 1903, the English were sort of like going, you know, we we really want to support the Jewish diaspora. What can we do? Let's find them a homeland. Wasn't this after World War II? No, 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 no. No, no, no. We're going ooh, back in 1903 when the British went, they came up with what was called the Uganda Scheme. Okay. Where they promised the Jewish people about 5,000 square miles, which is a huge, it's way bigger than... Israel, yep. this huge chunk of land in East Africa. In They, they said it was Uganda, but it was actually Kenya, mm. to which the Jewish people turned around and went, nah, we want Jerusalem. We want Israel. So cut to 1917 and you've got a guy, the thing called the Balfour Declaration where the English promised the Jewish people a homeland in Palestine. Now, I thought this was a product of World War II and their displacement, and so the UN decided that they needed to a place to go, and mm. Palestine was the place. Common mistake. Common mistake. Most people go, it all started in World War II. It didn't. It started after World War I because the Ottoman Empire still held Palestine. But then because of a bunch of plucky Australians called the Light Horse mm. defeated the Ottoman army at Beersheba and yep. basically collapsed the Ottoman Empire, suddenly Palestine is free. So what do we do? The League of Nations- Well, it's not really free. It's just- well, it's, People can take it if they want it. Well, it is no longer controlled. So the right. League of Nations turned People around. People still lived there. <laughs> yeah, but they called it, it, I love this, it was the Mandate for Palestine. Okay. Where the League of Nations turned around to the British and went, we want you and what's left of the Ottoman Empire and we want the French in Lebanon, we want you to assist the Palestinian region mm. to rebuild itself until it can stand on its own two feet. This is great. So we get all of this and then, of course, while this is going on, there's Hitler doing his thing in Europe and yep. there's the yep. genocide. So essentially a lot of people started getting the hell out of there and moving to Israel. So we start having this population build up and then the British said, we really want to partition this off, split it up so there's a Palestine for Arabs and there's a Palestine for Jews. Now, I thought this was all because out of World War II, the Jewish population were fleeing and the Americans didn't want them to come to America and the English didn't want them coming to England. So they decided to tell them to go somewhere else and that's how they ended up there. Well, yes and no. Right. Also, the whole thing was, we've got this chunk of land that they actually want it's got people in it but if we do it the right way and we split it up the right way but they didn't happy. do it the right way no and, and no one was happy the other thing was they hadn't really split it up they just said you've got to live there and get on and with also each other it wasn't their job to split it up until <laughs> an incident july 22nd 1946 yep. at the king david hotel where a bomb went off okay a terrorist organization detonated a bomb in the hotel yep they did it as uh, retribution for the British going out and arresting some of their leaders and, like, raiding their homes. Mm. The organisation was called the Ergun. Okay. It was a Jewish terrorist organisation. They wanted the Brits out. In fact, the leader, one of the leaders of it was a guy by the name of Menachem Begin, who wound up being the sixth Prime Minister of the new State of Israel. So, interestingly enough, terrorism was used by the Jewish people to get what they want, and they got it. So what happens is in 1947, the mm. British went, okay, petition is on. We're going to give everybody these little bits of Palestine. So there was the West Bank and there was Gaza Strip and there was like East 
Jerusalem went to the Arabs and the other part of Jerusalem went to the Jews and there was a little Christian quarter as well just to keep the Christians happy. They divided it all up. Yep. And on May the 14th, 1948, Israel declared independence. On May the 15th, 1948... They went to war. Egypt, Transjordan, Syria and Iraq all attacked. Yep. And this is the really important moment. Mm -hmm. These countries turned around to the Arab Palestinians and went, get out of our way. Yep. We want you to get out of Palestine because we're going to come in there, we're going to kick some ass and we're going to get your country back and it'll be yours. They lost. Big time. Not only yeah. did they lose the attack, they lost 60% of the area that the Arab Palestinians had. So now the Palestinians are just down to a tiny little strip called the Gaza Strip. Or two strips. And the West Bank. The West Bank. I know. but they, they, they And it's so funny because when you look at them on a map, they're pretty far away from each other. They're, they're not even like close and they're tiny little pieces. Now, but the thing is those territories were not under Jewish control. They literally stripped a lot of the land off it, mm. but the West Bank was under the control of Jordan and Gaza was under the control of Egypt. Yep. So they were defending and protecting the Palestinians living there. Then there was the 1967 Six-Day War, which came out of Egypt basically started blockading Israeli ports. Yep. The Israelis turned around and said, if you keep blockading our ports, we are going to regarded as a declaration of war, and then they went to war. Now, here's the really fascinating part about this. I love this bit of the story, is they turned around and they attacked. Yep. Israel attacked, and then they started sending tanks over the Sinai Desert towards Egypt and basically said, we're going to take Egypt. Done. We're done with this. We're mm-hmm. going to kick your ass. Over the desert they go. Egypt blinked and went, okay, sorry. We're sorry. We're pulling out. We're stopping. Everyone everyone, back out. Leave. Front. What they didn't realise is the Jewish army, the Israeli army, had no petrol in their tanks. They were literally stuck in the middle of the desert and there was no way they could move forward. So if Egypt had gone, bring it. They wouldn't have gone. Israel would have had a lot of trouble. Yeah. Because Egypt would have gone, we can take their tanks So they bluffed. They bluffed and won. Yeah. The Israelis won. And not only did they win, they got West Bank, they got the Golan Heights, they got the Sinai Desert, which they have since given back. Mm. They got East Jerusalem, which is the Arabic quarter, and they got Gaza, and that's the big one. There was another one, which is the Yom Kippur War in 1973, where on the Yom Kippur holiday, mm-hmm. six Arab states, including led by Egypt and Syria, attacked and lost. There was no real change in any of the territory, and that's when we wound up with the situation we have now. Now, one event happened just before the Yom Kippur War that changed the way Israel approached everything, and the Palestinians did as well. 1972 Olympics. Right. The Munich Olympics. That was the time Mm. when the Israelis suddenly went, we're not taking this anymore. Committed a terrorist act. Well, they they committed assassinations. They Mm -hmm. turned around after the event and went, we're just going to kill every Palestinian involved with this. But the other thing is the Palestinians realised they could actually garner a lot more sympathy if they did their little terrorist actions in a certain way. So basically the lines were literally drawn and then these terrorist organisations started building up. There's the PLO, which of course was Yasser Arafat, the PLFP, the PLFPGC. Mm -hmm. There was the Abu Nadal, Fatah, Hezbollah was involved, Black September. All of these terrorist groups appeared and the terrorist incidents started kicking along right through. We had the intifadas in Gaza and the West Bank. Now, it brings us to today. Day, yep. Where we are right now. Well, you know, and I think we, we do need to talk about as as well Israel getting a lot of support 
in terms of ammunition and support from America and other Western countries. Utterly correct. Mm. Now, let's just talk about how we wound up with the situation as it's happening today, right now. Why now? Why now? Because they, Israel tried to oust six Palestinian families. Mm, kind of. You're on the right track. They were kicking six families out yeah. of Shikshara in yep. East Jerusalem. There is a lot of problem with Israeli settlers moving into the Palestinian yep. territories. So the, then people got a little bit angry, took to the streets, and then Hamas said, well, screw this. We're uh, just gonna- yeah, all right. But let's go on the flip side of this. They went into the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Now, the Al-Aqsa Mosque is one of the three mm. most holy places in Islam. The same way the Western Wall, which is meant to be the Western Wall of the Temple of Solomon, is the most holy site yep. in Judaism. Now, the thing is, the Western Wall is basically the foundation of the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the, the plaza at the front. Yep. So an Israeli politician was going to be speaking at the Western Wall, and they were worried that the Muslims up the top in the Al-Aqsa Mosque, who were celebrating Ramadan, were going to start throwing stones or whatever. So they preemptively sent the police and troops into the Al-Aqsa Mosque and then started firing tear gas and rubber bullets. All right, wrong, bad move. Yeah. Because it just, all it did was stir up more trouble. Now, again, why now are we doing this? Why is it happening? Any ideas? No. All right, it's really simple. There's a guy by the name of uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. Oh, yes, because he's trying to form a government and he's quickly losing his power. He's also up on a few charges. He's up on a few charges. He's about yep. to go uh, face court for corruption. He has lost the popular vote and lost control of the Knesset, which is yes. the Israeli parliament. And, and they have a really weird parliamentary system where they, they don't really have parties. But the, oh, no, no, they do. They're, but they're, they're, there's like a lot of them. And then he needs to form an association with some of the parties in order to kind of keep control. As a friend of mine, uh, a really good mate, a Jewish mm. scholar, told me, and it was a really great way of putting it, is one of the things that he um, was talking about was the fact that a lot of Israelis and a lot of Jewish people go, it's the most democratic place in the world. Uh, then again, there are a lot of people turn around and go, well, it's not that democratic if you're Palestinian or an Arab. Yeah. So there is this argument, but the argument they use for it is a very democratic place is, it's a parliament that's made up of hundreds of parties, whereas yeah, in Australia we've got I mean. two main parties and then a couple of other ones. Yeah, but the problem is the hundreds of parties don't really talk to each other. Exactly. So, so it just kind of grinds to a halt. Exactly. You wind up, it becomes more and more difficult to form yes. a government. All right. So we've got that problem. So what happens is a lot of the time when there's a political crisis in Israel, it coincides with an upsurge in violence, particularly in Gaza. Mm. Now, Here's the thing. This is a question everyone asks is, where are the Gazans? If they're so locked up and so basically living in an outdoor prison, the way a lot of people like to describe it, where are they getting their weapons from? Iran. Yeah, of now, course. It's, uh, one of the things a lot of people say is Iran, you know, Iran regards Gaza as its shiny distraction. So if there's all this stuff going on in Gaza and right. everyone's getting very angry with Israel, it means no one's looking at what Iran's doing. And Iran has its fingers in a lot of pies. It's yep. a country we really need to talk about. We really need to have a discussion about Iran. We should really talk about Iran. We need to talk about it because it's People it's stop me in the street and they say, you just don't talk enough about Iran. And what I'm about like, Iran, you know, you want, you're right. Yeah. Come on, what's going on? The Let's Ayatollah. Do Iran. We'll do Iran next week. Yeah, you know, Flock of Seagulls, great song. <laughs> Whatever. Weirdo. And Iran. Okay, can you just... Okay. Sorry, okay. Right, cool. Sorry. Okay, all right, back. So, Here's the thing, we, you know, Hamas, yep. which is the controlling party in Palestine, 
Hamas is a client of Iran. Now, Hamas... I'm not the nicest people in the world. Of course not. They're pretty awful. But but you know what? To be honest, a lot of these people who come and take over these countries aren't very nice. No. Well, that, They're never that, very that nice. That seems to be the thing. Most people just want to get on with each other. But unfortunately, we get a few radicals. There was the classic idea of, uh, I think it was uh, Yitzhak Rubin, who was a prime minister who basically sat down with Yasser Arafat mm. and Bill Clinton and went, we're going to sort this out. Yeah. Shot dead by an extremist right-wing Jewish settler. Yeah. Just shot and, dead in the street. And also, you know, whenever America or anyone else gets involved, it seems to just make it worse. Because America likes to just put in people who become these crazy. I mean, remember Pol Pot? Yeah. Just went in, killed a lot of people. The Killing Fields. The Killing Fields. Great like, film. Th- there is a lot of dissension amongst their own and then when the West gets involved, it kind of gets worse. And I and a lot of what's happening right now has a lot to do with the West getting involved. And why is the West getting involved? Because they want to stabilise the area because they want the oil. They want the oil, right? Of course. Now, the, 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 the big Let's just is- all go electric and... Guess what? Yeah. No one will care. If we all went solar, this would be a problem anymore. <laughs> no. Um, well, it would still be a problem. There was a lovely quote from it was an old British politician who turned around and just went, "Why can't the Arabs and the Jews get on like good Christians?" And it's just like because what? you're just as yeah. bad, buddy. You're part I mean, of the problem. Yeah. We had crusade after crusade yeah. after crusade. As yes. everyone's trying to save Jerusalem, and yeah, and then it would it would go backwards and forwards. The and- crusades were the worst. Now here's the thing: yes. America is highly committed to. Jerusalem, and everyone says because you know Jewish bankers own America and the world, and yada yada, whatever. Get over yourselves. America is committed to Israel for one yes. simple person. It is their foothold in the Middle East. One hundred percent. Now, a lot of people would turn around and say, "But hang on, they've got troops and a huge relationship with Saudi Arabia." The one problem with that is Saudi Arabia hates America. They hate Westerners. Yeah, and here's the thing: everyone went, "Oh, gee, someone just brought down the twin towers. We've got to attack Iraq." 19 of the 21 hijackers were Saudi Arabian. Yes. Right? So they know that while they have a treaty, they have a relationship yep. with Saudi Arabia, it's not stable. It's definitely not stable. And especially with the crazy human who is in control of Saudi Arabia at the moment, the prince. Oh, MBS. He's yes. A, he's a fun guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's- now, if he becomes king, things are probably going to get worse. It's going to get really yeah. – well, you know, here's the thing – I think you'll probably find that the other kings have been just as bad. They just aren't quite as public about it. Yeah. So the whole thing with Israel and what's going on with Israel right now is, and with Gaza, is it's the most intractable problem on earth. It was a great, as a, as my wife said to me, why can't we have two decent statesmen to settle this? You can't. You, because it is- the, that- I mean, the, the, these arguments go back for thousands and thousands of years. And you can't, I mean, I had a wedding and I had, it was, it was Serbs and Croats and, it, you know, you couldn't seat them together. It's just, and it's not that they personally dislike each other. They just have a deep-seated hatred that stems generations. Yeah. Now, again, this this uh, friend of mine, the Jewish scholar, uh, Tal, thanks very much for the conversation we had the other night and the whiskey. It was really good. He said that there's like there's interesting things that are going on within this conflict at the moment. There's a thing that, that they call the knock-knock. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. The knock-knock is essentially the IDF, Israeli Defence Force, identify what they think is a location of, for a Hamas base, control mm. centre, whatever. The great example is the Al Jazeera building that was knocked down 
over the weekend. So basically they do a knock-knock. They ring the building and go, we're going to bomb it. We know that Hamas yeah. is in there. And you've got 20 minutes to get out. And then they fly over low and slow. And so we are going to do this. And then they drop they yes. drop dud bombs that go knock-knock on the roof. Yeah. And then they bomb the building. Now you think, well, what's the problem here? Everyone's going to escape. No, but Hamas is not passing the information on. No, Hamas is shooting you if you try to leave the building. Yes, because right. uh, to Hamas, a dead Palestinian works in their favour, yes. especially when there's 50 dead children like there is right now. Yeah. Now here's another thing about the 50 dead children. That's a really important point because mm. there has been a meme going around of this beautiful child, mm. and, it, and it really is a beautiful child, who has was killed. Right, yeah. And this is the face of the victims of Yeah, Israeli you know what? Violence. A lot of those things are from, like, they're not even from right now. Well, it's from a Russian you just have to Instagram Google, account. You just have to Google image stuff. This is the big point, and we mm. always say this about anything, is trust but verify. Yes. And that's a lot of what's not going on at the moment is people. It, it's a very – we are so partisan on this issue. I mean, we've become a very partisan planet well, as it is. it's not just that it's a partisan issue. The fact is that if you voice any kind of concern or um, viewpoint on either side, yep. you get annihilated by people. Yeah. And I by no stretch of the imagine – think that either side is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. I think it's complex, but I do think we have to acknowledge that sometimes Israel is wrong or sometimes the Palestinians are wrong. But when you think about the Palestinians, they're impoverished people who have been subjected to incredibly bad conditions mm. and are being run by a terrorist organisation. Yeah. So it's not even like the Palestinian people, it's Hamas. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, yeah. we, always, we always frame the enemy as the other and it's if it's one, it's all. I mean, yes. that was the great – I mean, look now, we have politicians going, you know, we can't trust the Muslims. Why not? I've got lots of Muslim friends. They're great. Yeah. And they basically sit there and look at terrorist organisations and go, they're dickheads. We're not interested. Yeah. My parents lived in Saudi Arabia for years and years and years. Yeah. But this is the one question I'm going to ask. So when a conflict like this pops its head again, as it always does, mm-hmm. how does ASIO – Handle that. Is there something home ground that we need to touch on? Oh, yes, there is, most certainly. Because a couple of things happened uh, at the last election. Our Prime Minister got up and said, we should move our embassy to Jerusalem. Oh, yeah, that's right. No, we shouldn't. Right. For one very important thing, if you move your diplomatic premises to Jerusalem, you are no longer an embassy, you're a consulate, because that's your embassy goes in the capital. Scott Morrison isn't very bright, though. We know that. But we know he was doing that to get the Wentworth guys, you know, to win the vote in Wentworth, because it's a very Jewish population. 100% it is. I live there. It's not 100%. I mean, I live there. No, I'm I'm saying 100% it (laughs) is. It's very, yeah, I know. But I will say the bagels and the bakeries are amazing. Oh, God. I just, yeah. Die for a bagel. Oh, man. I just get the best bagels. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, getting out. So, what is the point? What? How does it affect ASIO? ASIO is going to be doing a lot of threat assessments. Yeah, of course. And the thing is, security threats are going to start skyrocketing on Jewish businesses, yep. synagogues, schools, and, of course, diplomatic and, facilities. And we've seen it over the years. I mean, there's a lot of Jewish schools that have incredibly tight security. Synagogues, oh. incredibly tight security. Well, I do like, I mean, I drive past the synagogue regularly on a Same. Friday night and, of course, you'll see the guys standing out the always, front. Always, always. A lot of those guys are, if you go to Israel, one of the things you have to do, and a lot of Jewish friends of mine have done it, they've gone to Israel and served for two You've years in the IDF. You've got to serve, 100%. You go and serve in the IDF and then you go and live in a kibbutz or whatever. Yep. Now, these guys then come back and they get hired out as they basically hire themselves out as security yeah. for synagogues and schools. Mm-hmm. And 
as we go back to 1972 and that whole Jewish attitudes, we ain't going to take no shit no more. Yeah. And they, they are serious about it. I remember walking past the synagogue one Friday afternoon and basically being stopped on where are you going? It's like, home. So like, well, yeah. can you, why are you on this side of the street? Because my home's on this side of the street. Yeah. And it was like, uh, but, I live here. But there was a period of time where they needed that. Oh. They were getting so many threats. Well, not only that. and children. Well, there was the Hakoa Club bombing in Bondi. So the Hakoa Club yep. bomb went off. So there is a definite threat. And ASIO would be very, very focused on that threat because despite the fact that we don't really see a lot of – Middle Eastern terrorism, particularly at the moment because of COVID, we are kind of locked in. And so if there are any Palestinian extremists in the country, they can't go over and fight for Palestine. They're going to bring the fight here. Yeah. So the focus would be on threat assessments for Jewish facilities and it would also be focus on is there anyone out in the community that's likely to perform any kind of terrorist act against them. Right. So that's where ASIO's workload will really start to build up is where they're focusing on their threat assessment and their profiling to work out who's doing what. Beyond that, I mean, the only other problem we've got is the fact that we have a prime minister that turned around and basically put ourselves in the frame Mm. by saying something that was, you know, openly – hostile towards one side of this argument by recognising Jerusalem as being solely Israel's by putting an embassy in there. Well, what about the Palestinian embassy? Mm. But the whole idea that the two-state solution, so trying to have two countries in one country. Yeah, and it's incredibly complex, but also I do think because there has been a lot of conversation as to where is our government on this, why aren't they getting involved, and I do think that – sometimes the best thing we could do is not do anything. Shut up. I like mean, just, I, think- I mean, yes, we should get involved when it gets incredibly messy, but what what could we be doing? Well, Maurice Payne made the comment of we support Israel's right to protect itself and then without, and never smiles because she never does, and then just disappeared. But I even think that that is, you know, that just saying they have the right to protect themselves, but so do the Palestinians. Like yes. I just think it's it's just so complex that you can't even just come up, do a throwaway line and then leave again. Exactly. This is the problem we yeah. see. That. This is what we're looking at right now is the fact that – and people have thrown solutions forward, you know, right down to something like the Uganda scheme, which was – that was never going to fly. Uh, guys, we'll, we'll give you three times the amount of territory in the mountains of Africa – <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, All right. <laughs> but yeah. Is there a Jerusalem that yeah, we yeah, missed yeah. there? It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not what we're after. We want our homeland, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? The problem being that there are people that live in that homeland now. Now, the point is, I think your average Israeli would just like, can we just stop shooting at each other? Yeah. Because imagine you're in bed at night and the next thing you're getting alarm and you've got to crawl downstairs into the oh, cellar. Oh, it's a terrible because, way to live. You know, maybe the Iron Dome doesn't work this time. Mm. But- it's very event- Avengers, can I just say? Like the Iron Dome and Iron like Dome it's and- all, there's all this like crazy technology. Yeah. And and that's the other thing, this crazy technology that Israel has been given from the West. They get phenomenal amounts of support from 100%. the West. 100%. Because that is that little bastion of westernism in the Middle East. Yeah. It, it's going to take a genius 
a foreign policy genius the likes of Einstein to unravel that. We don't have it. I mean, the other option is we basically look at the very simple idea of Alexander and the Gordian knot. Do you understand? Do you know the illusion? No, but I don't even know. How long do we have for that? Oh, it's about 30 seconds. Okay, Ale- go. There was a knot in ancient times yep. in, in Gordio, and the Gordian knot could not be untied. It could not be untied. The it was knot impossible. could not. And many people had tried. Yep. And everyone had failed because yep. it was the impossible knot. Alexander went in, oh, really? Took out a knife and cut it. And that is essentially what we've got to do. This is a political Gordian knot and someone has literally got to go in there and go, Jane, cut it and go, right, this is the solution. Okay. Well, I'll send you over. Yeah. Can I take a pocket knife Yeah, great. Awesome. And body armour. And those shorts you love. Oh, yeah. I think if I wore my shorts, it would change everything. The camo shorts. Essentially, basically, Palestine and Israel go, let's join up just to kick this idiot out of our country. I, I think they might agree on that. That could work. I think it will. Let's do it. 